In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Should I say bad morning, Cleveland? We didn't get the win. I'm here with my co-host, Ian. You like that, Ian? But anyway, we haven't got time to uh, give you an official welcome. I'm afraid to say the Cleveland Browns lost. Ian, how did you find that? You know, I think it was disappointing. It was one of those games where we wondered how the Browns were going to manage the game going into it. And then here we are at halftime. We're ahead. Second half, we're throwing into the end zone at the end of the game with a shot to win. I think that, you know, we're going to get a lot of react from Browns fans, a lot of people playing Monday morning quarterbacks, second-guessing this, second-guessing that. Why do we do this? Why do you do that? I mean, heck, you can even hear the questions that were coming to Freddie Kitchens in the post game. So I think overall there was a lot of good, a lot to, uh, to build on, a lot to improve. Yeah, it's 5 o'clock in the morning here in England. Wow. Midnight in Ch- Chicago. Actually, luckily, it's 11 o'clock in Chicago, which would make it midnight Cleveland time. Midnight Cleveland. We've listened to Baker. We've listened to Freddie. At the end of the day, though, we're one one play five yards away from winning the game against the Super Bowl team. Yeah. I mean, we showed that even when we don't play our best, we can still hang. And, you know, just quick react here because we're going through looking at the different positions and, you know, some things that came up and, you know, obviously we'll get too much into it because obviously we got to go back, kind of take a look at it, see what went wrong. But, I mean, this just tells you this team can play with anybody. I mean, even on a day that it's just not all there, they still got in there. They still traded punches, still a lot of good. But ultimately, there's so much, to, you know, to improve on and so much to work on. I really think that helps Freddie Kitchen show up on Monday in the meeting rooms and saying, hey, guys, we aren't there yet. But we all knew that the first half of the schedule was a little bit more rough for the Browns and that it opens up in the second half. So hopefully for that sense, we can, um, we can really build on it and make a run here because the AFC North is wide open, buddy. What do you think? Next week, we could win the, we could be top of the uh, division if we beat the Ravens. They lost this week. This is the NFL. This is what makes it so exciting. You know, I'm, I'm there in the fourth quarter. There's, I don't know what, 30 seconds on the clock. We could win or lose. There's not a lot of other sports like that where it's time management, it's strategic. Everything matters. And that's why I love the NFL. Oh, it, it clearly one play. You know, you sit back and you look at all the plays throughout the game and you think of, oh, well, what if that went this way? What, what? That's what gets everybody coming back. You know, that's why sports talk radio and podcasts like your own. I mean, that's why this has become a billion dollar industry because you can just break everything down to the nuances and share opinions. And I mean, that's what makes that game, the game great. There's so many aspects. It's like all the ultimate teamwork and, that, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. So let's break it down in. Let's talk about the offense first, defense, then we'll go special teams. We'll talk about the coaching. We'll talk about the penalties. Break it down like that. Offense. How do you think we did? How do we think we did out of 10? How about that? 
You know, the offense had times. I mean, if you look there, we had that nice 13-play, 70-yard drive, which we capped off with a field goal. We had a nice 11-play drive that ended 75 yards for a touchdown. You know, once the best way I can kind of describe this offense is it's the tale of two offenses. You know, there was some drives where it just seems so effortless. You know, Baker's going up and down. He's connecting with Landry. I mean, the target distribution in this game, both Jarvis and Odell had nine. Odell finished six catches, 56 yards, Jarvis three for 62. But you just felt like Jarvis had made some big-time catches and, you know, in some big spots. So there's so much potential on this offense. You know, heck, I even saw a tight end get a touchdown today. I never thought I'd see that. So there's just – there's these little things. I think the Rams really kind of exploited the outside of our offensive line, which, you know, is probably one of the going to be one of the lower graded out units. I thought the guard play was fantastic. I thought Treader, Batonio, and Cush, I think they had a couple, uh, there was a false start on Cush in there, but that happens when you, you got a guy like Aaron Donald turned down on you every play. I thought they did a great job. I mean, I know that the Sunday night crew even showed you sometimes how they were using combo blocks to get Donald off his spot. They were really isolating, you know, some of the running lanes for Chubb, which, I mean, what a beast that guy is. I mean, I, hat tip to you, Mr. Chubb. That was a hell of a game out of you, buddy. Um, but what they did is, you know, they put Aaron Donald on one side and they'd overload the other. So you got a guy like Aaron Donald, and we all know Greg Robinson, good, not great. Donald can get around him. He can bull him. There's going to be some weaknesses there. But to be fair, there's not a lot of linemen in the league that can disrupt Aaron Donald that's why he's a two-time defensive player of the year you know overall in offense what was your favorite part what did you see because I'll give him a, a, a six five and a half six that's where I'm going well Ian I never like a seven so six is a good number yeah I thought they were better working out our offense I felt and if you look at them there were so many times I'm not talking about the defense but if you just look at how they played like cut being so open at times I just wish the Browns could do that at times. And it, yeah. their, their coverage was really tight. And Baker f- throws a nice, hard, fast ball, but he was struggling to get the, um, get the reads and get the uh, confidence to actually hit the targets. You know, obviously that l- ball to Landry was unbelievable. He was hitting OBJ, obviously not as much damage against the Jets. The, all the tight ends made catches, which was better. But as I said, at the start of the season, I'm still worried about the depth of the tight end. And maybe that hurt us the game right at the end. Yeah. Tight ends, I think one of those positions that you can kind of maybe scheme around a little bit. I thought Demetrius Harris at least made an appearance. Um, you know, with Baker, it, it was really that tale of two, two offenses. You know, the we saw a lot of the RPO quick read um, out of the shotgun and, you know, they at that point there when they took that away and you remember and if you listen to the show that we talked about uh earlier with jack and you know yourself dean um dean pease greg williams wade phillips i mean these are veteran defensive coordinators that know what they're doing and next week the task doesn't get easier we're going to baltimore but i do think we saw some growth from baker you know i think when he had time he still stands in the pocket and he's just ready to sling it um just so much to grow for. And I think if we can really establish this run game, I'm not sure if you got a chance to see the uh, Kansas City Ravens game today. Yeah, I watched Baltimore, it. Yeah, Baltimore does a good job stopping the run. So it's one of those ones where if we can really get that one-two punch where we can kind of neutralize that front. Now, to be fair, the Ravens don't have the front seven that the Rams do. 
And let's be honest, if the Rams had the, uh, the, te- the test of the depth like we did in our secondary, I think we're looking at a different game. But going into this game, I did not see this being a 20 to 13 game. I thought there was going to be a lot more points scored. Um, so hat tip to our defense. But like I said, I think the offense, they're going to get going. It's just a question of when. You know, I know the easy part of the schedule is the second half, but we're going to get there. I have no doubt about it. Yeah, I think six is a fair number. One other thing I'd highlight is, if I'm correct, Chubb only had all the runs all night long. Yeah, he finished 23 carries, 96 yards, and then also did some damage in the passing game as well. Um, so much to my uh, delight on my fantasy team. Now the problem is I was going up against Cooper Cup, so we saw how that turned out for me. But Chubb is just a is a Swiss army knife. I mean, that guy can block run. He is one of the guys that really, I think we're going to see coming in towards this second quarter of the season. You know, we're three games in um, getting into the second quarter. I think he's going to be a difference maker. Well, I think six is a fair number. How would you grade Baker? What would you give Baker if you're just isolating him? 18 of 36, 195 yards, touchdown, a pick 64 rating. He didn't. Okay. Through one interception. and It was a hell Mary yeah, style. Meaningless. Meaningless. Yeah. It's a real tough one, isn't it? Because his rhythm was back at some huge parts of the game where we were just driving the ball forward like we've seen before, like we saw in the preseason in the first snaps. And you've got full trust in him. But there seems to be this thing when we get to the um, end zone where we kind of freeze. And it it doesn't just feel natural when it goes into the end zone. Yeah, Freddie was asked about that in the post game when they were talking about you had three timeouts, you had the ball down there inside the red zone. And I, the one question I had is I was like, when are we going to run the ball? Because by running the ball, they know you have those timeouts so that you have that ace in the hole where you can still run the ball, eat up the time. And they asked Freddie about that and he said a point blank, I should have run it. Now, if the first pass is a touchdown or the one to Demetrius Harris over the top is six, then nobody asked that question. So Monday morning quarterback all day long. But specifically on that last possession when Baker was thrown in the end zone, if you go back and look at it, and I, I wanted to make sure I did this. So they run a blanket coverage on Odell, who's coming out of the slot. And Dante Fowler, in less than two seconds, is already past Greg Robinson. And I don't know if Freddie's going to go back and just say, hey, maybe I should have put a tight end over there, maybe giving Baker a little bit more time. But the play isn't when you beat your left tackle within two seconds, the play's not going to have time to develop. Because if you watch, we had Jarvis coming across the goal line on a crossing route, and then you had a couple of the corner routes on the backside. You, you have to be able to protect long enough to let a play develop. So, you know, it's like, well, why didn't we look to Odell? Why didn't we throw it here? The Rams know that. I mean, you have Eric Weddle, you have Aqib Tlaib, you've got Marcus Peters, you've got veteran guys that know what we're trying to do. So, of course, they're going to double it. But they need to get more of an identity in there. You know, I know it ended up not mattering, but the one call, Baker motions for Odell to come in. We hand the ball off to Chubb, and he plows in for a touchdown that's pushed back because of an illegal procedure. I think it's too much. Maybe there's too much going on. Simplify it. You know, I think that maybe – look at the Rams. They spread them out wide, cup runs a basic route, pitch and catch, carry stumbles, touchdown. We don't have that just yet. And I think that's probably tell me tell me if I'm wrong. I think that's kind of what you're thinking that we're missing. Yeah, exactly. And even throw to Harris that he could have caught, even if that was Njuku, I think we may have had the same problem. So uh it, it was a great it was a great defensive play. Um yeah. a touch higher, maybe he gets his hands on it, but we're we're nickel and dime at that point. 
there's plenty of other things. Like I said, they really need to shore up this tackle position because I think that it's really causing issues with the the longer developing plays. And I think Robinson, I'm going to maybe go back and watch his games from last year. These plays were just not getting time to develop. And then Freddie really wants to push the ball vertical. And, you know, we got Justin McCray, who's, you know, he's doing a great job for a guard that's playing tackle. But look at that last play. They went man on the, on the left side and they overloaded the right side. So the minute that Fowler gets around Robinson, which they probably knew they could get, then all of a sudden Baker flushes right and there's three guys right there. Play's done. It's it, it just, you throw a Hail Mary to the end zone and it gets picked off. It's, you know, insignificant. So, but next week, I, I do think we're going to show a little bit better with the Ravens. Baker's seen them. I've, I've got a little bit more hope next week that maybe we see some, uh, some good signs out of the offense. Yeah, and to, to really answer your question, I thought Baker did well. Obviously, some, some people online are saying like, or even on the TV program, that he should trust his pocket more instead of just coming out of the pocket. And I get it. He feels natural coming out of the pocket, looking for that throw. Yeah, I'm happy with Baker. It's a, it's tough. There's more tape on him now. He hasn't got the luxury of being uh, unknown. People are working him out. He's our guy. He can lead us. He's in his second year. Freddie Kitchen's a rookie uh, coach. Come on, guys. We've got Freddie for two years. There's no way that Haslam's are getting rid of Freddie. Let's back him. But anyway, let's talk about coaches later on. Let's move on to the defense. Where are you going to go with the defense, Ian? Hat tip. Um, 8.5. You know, I had even said... be a whole only, number, Ian. Uh, only a whole number. All right. They did give up 20 points and we did win. So, uh, 8.01. Uh, so, we'll, we'll give them an 8. And I thought it was just a hell of an effort. I thought that the secondary... I mean, I thought Money Mitch. I thought TJ Carey. Um, Justin Burris. Eric Murray. Hat tip to you guys. I mean, all four of your starting secondary guys are ruled inactive. I mean, that is one hell of a mountain to overcome. I mean, you know, think about it if Liverpool all of a sudden lose their entire strikers or every single one of their defenders. I mean, how difficult of a hill is that to overcome? So hat tip to those guys. I thought TJ Carey, yeah, he, he got beat on the cup touchdown on the out route. Um, he stumbled a little bit, comes back, gets the great interception. Um, I also thought he had a couple uh, nice pass breakups that were wonderful. So overall, I thought the secondary was the top performer in the, uh, on the defense, followed closely by the linebackers. I thought another great game out of Schobert, especially battling, you know, a lot of their play action. That's McVay's staple. I mean, he really likes to suck those guys up because you got Malcolm Brown, you know, you got Todd Gurley, so you have to respect that run. So Schobert steps up, season isn't there, drops into coverage. A couple times he turned his back, which I'm sure that they'll, they'll get that corrected. But overall... My biggest disappointment, the reason I'm not going to give him a nine, is I just didn't think we really affected Goff enough. You know, the front four, one of the things that the Rams were really effectively doing was they were rushing four and dropping seven. So you, in essence, were getting home with Matthews, and they were sliding Donald all around the line, and he lined up everywhere. So by them getting pressure with four, it closes a lot of Baker's windows to throw the ball. The Browns, when they were effective, were getting pressure on Goff. I mean, I think uh, we got two sacks on Goff. I think the Rams got three on Baker, but when you can affect the passer with four, you really allow yourself in coverage to do a lot. And there was a couple of plays we even rushed three, dropped eight. So the D line, I thought needed to get a little more pressure. I thought Ogunjobi was probably the standout on the line. I thought he played really well, mixing it up with their interior linemen. Garrett had a couple plays, but for the most part, I thought they did a pretty good job neutralizing him, chipping him all day long. I mean, if you go back and look, I don't think he went one-on-one -on -one with, any of their tackles all that often. Um, 
So overall from a defense, I give them an eight. I think that they're really showing they were strength of the team, you know, three turnovers. Um, so hat tip to them. Definitely the top performing of the three units. Yeah, I think this is my point I was trying to make maybe at the start of the season. Our secondary, I believe we've always had depth and it really showed today. This is my question mark maybe at tight end and maybe at running back at the start. If we got an injury to Chubb and Anjuku, then we really are screwed. And today, our secondary really turned up. And I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10. I thought against the team that got to the Super Bowl, you know, we stood up, we did well. We competed. Gurley hardly did anything in the game. And, uh, yeah, I was very impressed with the defense. Yeah, I thought that having the ability to put in, you know, TJ Carey, Money Mitch, guys that have played snaps, the thing that really got us, though, is Ward and Greedy are generally our speed guys. You know, so I think a lot of times when Cup was on that crossing route where he gets washed and you see that either what I think Whitehead struggled a little bit, he would probably – I, I think that he's a guy that got forced in there. Yeah, that dumb penalty on Goff. He was probably the lowest performer on the defense, but for the most part, those two guys on the outside, I thought stepping in for the guys, Ward and um, and Greedy Williams, they did well. They just they lacked the speed. I mean, Cup would come off the line and boom, he's out there. A guy like Ward does a lot better. He's got a little bit better footwork to stay with him. Um, but I noticed a few times on TV, Eric Murray seemed to be there around the coverage. Yeah, yeah he got his hands on a couple balls, almost ended up with another interception. And yeah. I thought, you know what? Actually, Mac Wilson, I got to say, I give him a shout-out. I thought he played really well. Hell of an athletic play on that one deflection to almost get that interception. We almost had a third one. And I believe it was Jack accurately predicted two interceptions for Mr. Goff. Well, Jim, well, well good job. Well done out of you, Mr. Uh, Jack. Come on in. You need to learn the podcast rules. We don't give Jack too much love. Uh, I'll give it to him when he's not here, right? <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, one player we forgot about really to talk about is uh, Burris stepped up and um, got the interception and yeah, played really well. Yeah. Defense, no problems. I think we are a solid unit in the defense going, going through the rest of our next 12 games. So I've got no problems. If we have any more injuries, touch with we don't, we have got the depth in defense for the season. Yeah, I, I think had Justin Burris did a great job stepping in. You know, obviously he knew the system, bounced around Oakland. I think he was with the Jets for a hot second there as well. Stepping in, making a nice play. Um, but we got to get healthy. I mean, you know, one of the things that Dorsey did last year was he overhauled the secondary completely and brought in these guys. So it's paying its dividends. Um, but we got the Ravens, the Niners, and the Seahawks. So not exactly three of the best passing teams. Uh, you know, I know that Lamar Jackson was leading the league against Miami and Arizona, but let's be honest, he, he faced a real uh, defense today, at least relatively real, 22 of 43, 267, 54 rating. So, I mean, it was kind of odd they threw the ball more than they ran it, but, you know, the 49ers have had their struggles and then the Seahawks. So I think the secondary really is going to get a chance to rest up and start showing what they can do. Special teams. Even numbers only, correct? <laughs> Not a seven and whole numbers. Uh, seven is the number I would go with, but I it's will give tough. the. You can't say if you, if you say seven, it's always an easy uh, thing. Here's and what then, I'm going with I'm going to go Austin Cybert nine, Scottish Hammer six. And the reason I give him the six is because he had the Scottish Shankarooski. 
Uh, Cybert, I thought, looked really good. He's in a groove. He's definitely got his rhythm. Um, all the field goals were dead to the rights, uh, right down the pipe. Um, I thought that even his kickoffs were well-placed. I, th- I thought overall the specialist did a great job. I mean, Jojo Matson's a stud. I mean, this guy, Prefer was talking about him all week, and, man, what a great job by the coverage team. So I know they had the one penalty on the kind of rolling pass that was a block in the back. Okay, I think we'll get that cleaned up. That's a technique. But overall, the, the, I would say eight for the special teams, nine for uh, Seibert, and six for Hammer. And on the one he shanked, I think it was like an 18-yard punt. You could just see, if you watch the replay, he, his drop comes to the inside. He kicks just inside of the ball, and it just totally shanks to the right. Uh, so we'll dub that the Scottish Shankarooski. It was a classic rugby punt. Just kick it oh, out, basically. Um, but he's played three games now, I think. He had, mm-hmm. I think, one shaky in the in the Jets and one bad today. But otherwise, his five other punts were good. Would you agree or no? Yeah, he um he ended with six punts, forty yard average, three inside the twenty. With even with the Shankaruski, I think he had a long of fifty five. Um, so overall, not bad. I mean, I thought on a couple of them he was just getting it inside of the twenty. I'd like to see him maybe push that a little bit more. I know we got a little bit spoiled with uh, our man Britton Colquitt getting him inside the ten. So I think from where he's at and with his trajectory, I mean, the one he hit towards the end of the game, and I believe it was Tavier Thomas who made that, or Robert Jackson, I remember which one of just smoked that dude. That was a moonshot. I mean, I think the hang time was over five seconds, 51-yard punt, I believe it was, and no return. So he has the ability to lean back and drive that thing into the sky. Don't be afraid to do it. And if you can do that, you give your guys the ability to get down there, get their heels on the goal line, and step forward to make that catch inside the 10. So I think Prefer is going to work with him. He's a giant block of clay, and I only see good things to come from him. But it would have been nice to kind of pin them back inside the 10 once or twice. But three inside the 20 out of six, not too shabby. Do you think in that situation when we were really backed up in our own end and we punted away, he has got the advantage over call quit over distance or it, it wouldn't make any difference. It's more technique than distance. So last year, you'll notice a lot of times when Colquitt was backed up, he doesn't, he didn't have the ability consistently to do it. I know I think he had like a 75 or 76 yarder, which obviously he got some roll on. Um, I think he does have more potential to drive it out of there. The problem you have is, is if you outkick that coverage in that sense, you know, you're going to allow for a big return. So I think what he does and says, instead of kicking it 60 yards with a 10 yard return, he just sits back with a, in a sand wedge and just crushes it five, five and a half seconds in the air. Coverage team gets down there and snuffs it out at the 45, you know, opponents, 45, 50 yard line. So in the one, the first punt, he got that really good bounce um, after kind of a short kick. But sometimes I think they intentionally do that to see, see if you get a guy running up, maybe cause a fumble. Um, but yeah, I think he definitely has the ability to drive us out of trouble. Um, not saying Colquitt didn't. So it's a tough question. What did you, what did you like best about uh, Colquitt versus what you're not getting from Hammer? Yeah, obviously, Colquitt's a lot more accurate. You saw that. Uh, in the game today, hitting around the 20 yards where Colquitt knocks it down to the five yard, for example. Um, But we've got our defence, hopefully, touch wood, that can, you know, make up the ground. And I I get the strategy of of going with the Scottish hammer. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. 
culprit could be a little bit better. But yeah, with our defense, it didn't lose us the game. So. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think punting was a problem. I think that he does enough good, but I think he'll improve from that. I think, like I said, he's going to go back and look at that drop on the shank and notice what he did. So it's pretty easy to tell. All right. So you've gone with a nine and a six, which is 15, which is um, seven and a half. So let's go with an eight. I think it's an eight special teams. I thought our coverage was great. I can't think of any anything majorly negative about our special teams. I think it's come on leaps and bounds from last year, especially with Steve Amos. And uh, yeah, super happy that the special teams is, is doing its part. Right, here we go. This is the controversial stuff. The stuff oh, that yeah. Twitter's going absolutely mental about is the coaching and yeah, Baker. I think Twitter's just going nuts. Uh, I think more about Freddie Kitchen and the and the play calling, and you know, does Freddie have to give a give a over uh, play calling at this stage? It's similar to Hugh Jackson last year, with um, I've got his name now. Um, it's you're talking about Todd Haley. Yeah, Todd Haley. You know, all the fans were calling that, and but yeah, what, what's your, what's your thoughts on it? I, I think there's some real key points to talk about at this stage. Is the um, nine and four. Uh, and we went, we did the draw. The, yeah, the fourth the four down and nine around the midfield. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 5.30 here, so my words are slurring. So oh, uh, I, I still can't believe you had Chelsea, Liverpool, and then Browns, Rams. So what a day for you, buddy. Yeah, go on. So, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? So I think Browns fans, and you were talking about Twitter going nuts. So a favorite of my friends and family is to send me messages during the Browns game. And I, I love interacting with all of them. I try to text back as much as I can, but any time a play, you know, like that fourth and nine happens, I get probably 13 or 14 messages and, you know, there's explicitives and, you know, the all off the Freddie bandwagon, but Browns fans are very conditioned to fire the coach, get rid of the coach. What is he doing? Tell him this. I mean, it is, it is as natural of a reaction as they possibly can have. I, I was a long time Hugh Jackson supporter i i think that hugh had an ability to do things but you know at the end of the time i think it became more of a personality thing but with freddie freddie's standing there in the post game saying i own it give it to me you know if you want to write your articles write them if you want to blame me for play calling do it having that self-awareness to say you know what i'm going to take this one on me tells me that he is the right guy he's going to be able to learn from his mistakes do i understand a fourth and nine draw Okay, I can spin it. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Chubb gets to the second level. They're not thinking it. He breaks that tackle from Weddle, and it's a first down, and everybody goes, oh, my gosh, what a genius. Who would have, who would have had the stones to call that? You know, it doesn't work, and, oh, get rid of this guy. What is he doing? Who calls that play? It's fourth and nine. You know, you try to pull something up. I get it. What, do you, what are your thoughts? When you first saw it, what did you see? Yeah, my first thoughts were – we tried doing this against the Jets. It didn't work. It was predictable at this point of the game. You know, here's, here's my flip on the whole situation. At the end of the day, we got down to a situation in the game where we could have won it. So whether it was the right or wrong thing to do, whether it was time management, I don't know the strategic side on it. But at the end of the day, we had four attempts 
to potentially win the games with Freddie as our coach. And it, Freddie's the man, he's making the calls. You can't get every call right. It did seem extremely crazy with my lack of NFL knowledge that maybe <laughs> you go for it with less than four on a, on a four down. Nine, where we were on the field, did seem very crazy. But, you know, NFL is all about shock, all about surprise play. You know, maybe the Rams never dreamed of being in the situation, so they had no idea of how to deal with the situation. But it is what it is. Twitter's gone crazy about it. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my, my brother even texted me, he goes, what did Freddie not know it was fourth down? I mean, there's so many scoreboards in the stadium. I mean, let's, let's stop the conspiracy theories with that. Um, but we're, we're a fan base of overreaction. That's what we do. I can understand questioning that, but we have to remember Freddie's in his third game last year. Everything Freddie called went to, you know, work like magic this year. He's had a couple that haven't, but at the end of the day, you know, they were getting home with four dropping seven. So they may have a number. And again, we don't have the information they do. Maybe they have a stat that says on over fourth and five, Wade Phillips likes to blitz the house. And Baker at the line is reading. And, you know, in the, even in the post game, he said, I know what you guys are trying to do. You're trying to, you know, pitch me versus my head coach. So I think that kind of stuff is more for the headline baiting articles. But maybe he had some stat that says, Phillips is going to blitz. Let's try to hit him with a draw because if we get Chubb going downhill at five, seven, five, six, seven yards, he's getting that first down. I mean, we saw how hard he was finishing runs. He wasn't coming down from one guy. Aaron Donald was chasing him and trying to drag him down from behind. He was giving their linebackers carries. I don't mind putting the ball in Chubb's hand, maybe a little more creative way of doing it. But at the end of the day, we're three games in. I understand maybe giving it something a little different fourth and six, maybe would have probably been a little bit more sense, but Hey, it didn't lose us the game at the end of the day. It didn't, it would have been nice. You know, I know everybody was like, Oh, why didn't he challenge it? Oh, that was pass interference. Look at him. He shoved. I have watched many football games this year. I have yet to see one get overturned. They added that phrase egregious into that uh, challenge thing. Was it egregious that he shoved Ricky Seals Jones out of bounds before the ball got there? That's subjective. Egregious? I don't know. He's making a play for the ball. If anyone who watched that Ravens Chiefs game earlier, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Seth Roberts pushes off. That was egregious to me. Catches the ball inside the five yard line. They, nope, play stands. So you run that risk. You give up the timeouts, which we ended up going away with, but hindsight's 2020. I, I get it. Like Browns fans want to instantly think that everything's called perfect, but anybody who's watched Sean McVay over the last couple of years, I thought his time clock management was terrible in a couple of games. He, he, it happens to coaches. The game is going so fast. It's so easy for us to sit up and on TV with 800 camera angles and instant feedback and Collinsworth and Michaels and all these people telling us what to see, how easy it is to go. Oh, I would have done this. On the field, it's so much different. Everything moves so much faster. I mean, people that play high school football know how much game, faster the game is. And this is the NFL where things are moving 100 times faster than that. So let's just relax. You know, the AFC North went 0-4 today. The entire division is wide open. The quarterbacks that Baker's going against are Mason Rudolph, Andy Dalton, and Lamar Jackson. I think we can all say that if those four quarterbacks were in a draft, Baker's going top. We have the best quarterback currently playing 
in the AFC North. We are primed and ready next week to take this game from the Ravens, impose our will, and move to the top of the division. So let's let's settle down. Let's put the pitchforks away. We don't need to burn Freddie at the stake. You know, the guy is learning. And I think the most important thing was when he was hit with a little adversity, he said, put it on me. I'm going to get better. That's, I think, where he differs from Hugh Jackson, who was, let me look at the tape. You know, he was very passive aggressive in that. Freddie stands up there chomping on his gum like, hey, it's on me. I'm a football coach. I can take it. Bring it on, boys. Okay, let's talk about one other key moment. Last few seconds of the game. We're on the five. We've got four throws, three timeouts. Why don't we run it? You know, that's, I think Tom Reed asked that question. You, you had the timeouts. My, I'll play devil's advocate. If you tell me we should run it, I'm going to say Baker Mayfield, I want the ball in his hands. I can trust that in, I give him four shots, he's going to make something happen. Now, I say this moments after saying that I thought Nick Chubb was an integral piece of our team, which if it's me, I'm sitting there live and I was like, all right, we're going to run the ball on this one. We're going to run, okay, maybe not on this one. I understand the play of Harris in the back uh, the end zone. I like that play. He's six foot six, six, seven. Let him get up there. Um, first down, I probably run the ball maybe on one of our little delay counters. I think he learns from that one. I think if, if to, we're in the film room tomorrow morning, I think Freddie sits back and goes, that's, that's his number one uh, faux pas. I think he really did think about it and say, I should have been able to control that more and let my guys go. So. Is, there, is there any advantage throwing it if you are uh, one yard away versus five yards away in the aspect of if you're one yard away, you're just um, suffocated or um, do you have an advantage? Yeah, exactly. So t- from a defensive standpoint, it's a lot easier to defend 11 yards. You know, obviously the end zone's 10 yards. So you, when you're at the one, you're only defending 11 yards. I have 11 guys in 11 yards. So when you're running the ball – it's a numbers game. So when I'm down on the goal line, I want hat to hat. And then it's mono V mono me versus you. Who's stronger, who's bigger, who's faster. Um, I think sometimes play callers get a little creative and they think they can run those pick routes, those rub routes. I know new England. I mean, new England is the king of this first and goal at the three play action. One of their running backs sneaks out in the flat and Brady hits James white or Burkhead or, you know, any of those guys. So teams have found very creative ways to, extend the running game into a short passing game. I know Doug Peterson in Philly really likes to run that run pass option. Um, so you have the ability to kind of be more creative, but sometimes put your hand in the ground and let's go. Because I think I had even said on the podcast with uh, yourself and Jack, our advantage is going to be, they are rushers. We, you know, we had the advantage in the running game. So I think we maybe should have leaned on that a little bit more. I'd almost think our chances of success handing the ball off four times to Nick Chubb, is higher than throwing the ball four times. But if you're Freddie and you believe in Baker and you say, hey, man, here's the ball. Go win us the game. That's yeah, personal five, preference. F- five yards away, get a yard, two yards. You've got the touchdown, basically. It, it sounds yeah, quite Chubb simple. Average, what, four yards a carry. Yeah, it, it, it seems simple maths, you know, like just, just run it over the line. But like we said, you're in a game. In the last few seconds, you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. Yeah. And like he said, Baker, go win it, baby. Here you go. And, and the final thing, people are just saying, like, where's the Baker from last year? You know, 
he's holding it too long. He's not the same person. Why is this happening? Anything that you want to finish up on saying why you think Baker looks a little bit more rusty or a little bit more frozen? I think Baker, the person, is the same guy. I think he, I think he even looks and acts maybe a little bit more mature. The decision-making is, I think, comes down to last year, those last eight games, I thought we got a very high level of production out of our offensive line. And I know that there's some stands out there that really say that Dorsey made this huge faux pas getting rid of Kevin Zeitler. The offensive line last year was definitely playing at a higher level than they are now. In the first two games, is Baker missing throws? Absolutely. Do I think maybe he's being a little undisciplined with his eyes? Absolutely. But it is his second year in the NFL. He has, you know, what, 16? He's, he started 16 games yet. I think he just, last game, I think was his 16th. So he's one year in. He's going to go through growing pains. I mean, defenses are going to adjust. They're going to know what to do. I mean, I know we have all these shiny new toys in the sec- in the um in the wide receiver room, but I think Higgins not being in is a huge loss for him. I think that safety valve for him. I mean, when I, when that injury report came out and you're like our entire four secondary, and then you at the bottom says, you know, Rashad Higgins, a guy like Ratley doesn't have the same report with Baker. And this is a guy who, if you remember right in the Tennessee first drive, Baker targeted three times. So I think a lot of the rhythm in the offense is solely reliant on Jarvis and Odell and I thought Jarvis had one of his best games from a wide receiver standpoint today, um, just really causing mayhem with their secondary at times. But I think when we get Higgins back, I think you may see something a little bit different because I think that right now that third and fourth wide receiver we're just not getting enough out of. And after we play the Ravens next week, then we all of a sudden change it up to where now we have Odell, Jarvis, Hollywood Higgins, and Antonio Callaway comes back. So now I got another guy that can run straight past you. So I think the offense may look a little bit different coming into these next, you know, weeks five, six, seven, and then into the bye week. Totally agree with you. And you can really tell the difference between the Rams having three killer wide receivers versus us having two killer wide receivers. Yeah. And, and even then I thought, I know Cook's had, I, I had a good game and I know that um, Cup had a good game. So it's a pick your poison. I mean, I don't think Robert Woods really, did all that much. I'd have to go back and look at the stat sheet, but for the most part, um, it was a bend don't break. I think they gave him a lot in between the, uh, the twenties. I thought the defense did a really good job of forcing golf on some cases. I know that cup had the two touchdowns. Um, you know, not many teams have that three headed monster. So I thought they did a good job really kind of coming out to establish themselves. And I think that they definitely did not embarrass themselves on Sunday night football. I think that everybody sat there and goes, all right, the Browns are maybe who we thought they were in the sense of this hype may be a little real. And I don't think the Browns are a team you're going to want to play come week nine, 10, 11, but we got to get healthy. We got to get guys back in the field. We can't lose this many starters. Um, because I, the nice part is, is the injuries at the secondary, I think is our deepest position. Um, so let's get healthy. Let's get things going. And, Next week, let's just take out the frustrations on the Ravens. Nothing would be better than to beat them birds right into an oblivion. Yeah, we've got the Ravens, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Pats. Mm-hmm. Real and the games. part is, is, and I don't know, your thoughts on this, I'm curious. Two out of their next three games are on the road. And in any sort of sport, I've always found that maybe being on the road makes you a little more disciplined, a little bit more regimental, a little bit more um, you know, on a schedule. You think that's going to help them? 
Mm. Well, the stadium was on fire today. And uh, maybe that's why we came so close to winning the game. Um, I think the Ravens are going to be super tough on the, on the road. Oh, MT is not an easy place to play. I'm guessing we would fly there. And um, oh yeah, that's that's a quick Baltimore's a quick flight. So yeah, but then they go out to San Francisco. So quickly they may turn around and get out there. But the and business like maybe getting away from an early game. Yeah, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be tough on the road. Yeah, and that, that well, that, remember we have that extra day because the 49ers game is a Monday night game. Yeah, but then we lose the day obviously against the Seahawks, which is a uh, a one o'clock Cleveland uh, kickoff, I believe. So, um, but yeah, yeah. The... My last point isn't. I don't mind taking some rap from this. And uh, so, I'll so, say it. Let's be controversial. Some people like this. Some people don't like this. But I always believe in this. You back your team, your management team. You, you back everyone until that person leaves. I don't believe that booing your team when they leave or Freddie, saying Freddie out by the fans is the way forward. We're all Browns fans. We're all in it together. Giving our players, coaches abuse doesn't help anyone. And I understand the argument. You pay money. You've been a Browns fan longer than me. But let's just um, let's just back it. It helps everyone if we just back our team, our club, until the bitter end. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm I don't understand the a hole mentality. And trust me, several of my friends got this text message. So one of the phrases I like to use is, "Don't be that guy." You know. Browns fans tend to be Monday morning quarterbacks like no other, you know, everything to them is just isolated in a single vacuum of, Oh, well, if we wouldn't have done this, we'd have done that. And it's so easy. It's just a lazy argument to come out and say, Oh, why did we run that play? Well, we ran the play because we ran the play. I mean, we don't have the information they do. So as much as we want to sit back and say, well, I would have done this. No, you wouldn't have, because you never would have been in the position. So I have never booed my team. I never will boo my team. I will support. I, I will support the Justin Gilberts of the world. All of my friends know that I stand that pick for a while until it just really fizzled out. I mean, the guy had incredible talent, and knucklehead between the ears, Hugh Jackson. I mean, I will. I will defend my guys to the bitter end. Come at me on Twitter. Send me whatever you want. I will defend the guys because that's what you do. And, you know, I'm not going to roll over and play dead because it's a one and two start. They win next week. They're two and two. You know, realistically, we need to come out of these first eight games um, right around that three and five, four and four record. So we're still on pace for that. Let's win the games in the division. If you win your division, you're in the playoffs. And that's all we really care about. The Seahawks a couple of years ago, I think, won seven and nine and won a playoff game. Let's get to the playoffs. We're, we're in a very weak division right now. Andy Dalton, not good. Mason Rudolph, not good. Lamar Jackson, more runner, athlete than thrower, even though he kind of sometimes throws a good ball and then sometimes throws one into the second row. So let's focus on winning the division, playing good, and let's let Freddie learn a little bit and let's stop, you know, like I said, put the pitchforks away, the booing and all that. I'm 100% on board with you. Come on. That's, it's just a lazy take to me. All right. Ian, thank you so much for your time. Where can we find your details? Ian19 at Twitter. Like I said, I welcome all of them. That's the I-A-I-N, unfortunately. It's spelled a little differently. Um, but now how, I have to ask, how long of a day was it for you? I mean, it's, it, you said it's 5.45 of the morning there. I mean, tell the people. The you got to go to work in the morning. It's fine. 
Um, I'll um, I'll get a couple hours sleep now, go to work, and then I'm flying to Germany on Tuesday. Thursday, I fly. Uh, I'm traveling by train to Birmingham, and yeah, I think that's my week done. So uh, you're just you're just the man of the continents, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. But anyway, um, look, Ravens next week. Let's all get behind the team. Let's try and get the win. Top of AFC. Happy days. Lamar yeah. Jackson. I watched a game today. Yeah, uh, Ingram looked really good. Lamar Jackson looked good, but he was chucking a ball in the air like there's no tomorrow. And all you, <laughs> anyone who hates Baker Mayfield, at least he comes close. At least he's got a game plan. It looked like Lamar Jackson either runs it or he just closes his eyes and chucks up in the air. So uh, yeah. no, there was a couple of plays I, I know which was you're talking about. He's turning around. And throwing it from one end of the field to the other. John Harbaugh's got to be like, what in the heck is going on? I think you do that against our secondary, there's going to be some defensive touchdowns. Because I think the Chiefs secondary is decent, not great. And I think that our secondary would run laps around them. But, yeah, I think that uh, I'm on board with that one. Look, I think Lamar Jackson is a fantastic athlete. I mean, what that guy can do with a ball in his hands is fantastic. But – I think if you go and look at that game, I never really, when watching it, thought that Kansas City was – I know it finished 33-28 and they got a touchdown at the end, but at no point did I think, oh, Lamar Jackson's going to lead them back. So I think let's stop Ingram, let's stop Gus the Bus Edwards, Justice Hill, let's really contain their run game. And if Lamar Jackson throws the ball 43 times next week, I'm very confident that the Browns will be 2-2. Two and two. All right, let's go, Browns. Keep the faith. We lost by one play to a team that got to the Super Bowl, go Browns. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll watch the game again and torture myself. But for the most part, I think we'll move on pretty quickly from this one. And I'll find some good nuggets for the, uh, for the Ravens game because, you know, I think that we may match up pretty well on that one. But I'll pull a few more things. I'm going to go back and look at that draw play on fourth and nine. I'm going to go back and look at some of the defensive coverages in that uh, final series there down at the goal line. So we'll see what we got. But again, also the other thing I want to take care of, and I'm curious, we'll wrap on this. The officiating, I didn't think was a big day, the deal. I thought the penalties, Rams had seven for 50, Browns had eight for 60. I know Baker got clubbed in the face. I know he got hit below the knees a couple of times, but I, Browns fans, let's, let's, let's not be those people that want to blame the officials every single week. Was it great? No. Was it always in our favor? No. Did we get some calls? Yes. So let's just put that to bed. The officiating didn't have that much to do with this game. Well, I'm super looking forward to hearing Jack's view. He'll be on the show this week. I've got Jake Burns coming on. I'm sure he's going to be talking about kitchens and monking and the relationship. So I'm looking forward to that. Everyone can now get and watch the, watch the tape two, three times, learn more from it. And uh, yeah, let's go from there. Go Browns. I'm getting go some Browns. sleep. It's, yeah. it's six o'clock in the morning. Sun's coming up. <laughs> I'm going to bed Chicago time. <laughs>